Right. Okay. All right, let's wrap up our conversations. We'll find our seats. I already see some kids that are ready to not be here anymore, so. <laughs> and Denny. <laughs> We're going to make it quick this morning. I also need a nap. Um, yeah, good morning. Um, my name is Lee Shepherd. For those of you that don't know me, my wife and I lead the, the prayer team here at Fellowship. Um, it is uh, my privilege and honor to get to share uh, the first sermon, 2023. Uh, I wish everybody a happy new year. I don't know if that's like good or if I drew the short straw or, or what. Okay, fair enough. Um, so um, this morning, it's it's a new year. We're gonna be we're gonna be looking ahead, um, hopefully practically at how we can develop um, some new rhythms for our lives. How we can be in the Word more. How we can be uh, worshiping together more. And I just want to say right off the bat that I feel like I'm the least qualified person. Um, to be giving that kind of a message. Um, I can remember when we were in Turkey, it's been several years ago now, we had some good friends, uh, and they, they are both, like, super overachievers. Um, like, normally I think there's one in a couple, but, like, they outdid themselves in being awesome. Um, and <laughs> I remember they... They ask us kind of, you know, a new year is approaching, kind of what we were doing, what were our goals for the year, what we were planning, and Julie and I were just like, not die? I, like, I, I don't know, keep our kids alive? And they were like, you, like we're going to sit down with you guys. They were worried about us. We didn't have any goals. Uh, and so, like, they, they sat down, they went through the whole thing, how they planned out their whole year. And I, I don't know, I bet we lasted, what, like two days, <laughs> if that. Like, that's, that's not, like, it's not in my DNA to be that kind of a person. If you're looking for that kind of a message, go and lis listen to Trenton's sermon from a year ago. It's excellent. <laughs> go talk to Trenton. He can lay out some, I had a conversation this summer with him about how I could get my, my act together. It's very helpful. Um, go and talk to Henry Burrell. He'll tell you about his 10-year his plan. Um, that's, you know, that's not exactly the, the sermon we're going for this morning. Although, having said that, I actually, like, kept a long-term goal this year. I, I lost some weight, and it, it felt really nice. I, like, I feel like maybe this is why people actually, like, keep goals. It feels good. Um, and so we're going to try to be somewhere in between those two extremes of, of how, do we, how do we live in rhythm with the word and with worship. Um, I know we've got kids in here this morning, and so we're actually we're looking at one verse of Scripture this morning. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Um, and I guess just at any point, if it feels like I'm going too long, you can just like throw a baby at me, and I'll I'll know that I need to I know that I need to wrap it up. Um, that was a joke. 
I feel like Chad having to tell people when I make a joke. All right, Colossians 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Um, So our big idea this morning is as we are looking ahead to the new year, we are called to develop new rhythms in the word through corporate and private worship. So new rhythms in the word, worshiping together and worshiping on our own. Um, So as we go into um, this verse, uh, a little bit of context from chapter 3, just so we know where we're coming from and maybe where we're going. Um, Chapter 3 is all about how do we live as the people of God? How is the church supposed to live? What does it look like? Um, And it starts off right at the beginning of chapter 3. It says, we have been raised with Christ. And so therefore, we are to set our minds on the things above. Because that's where Jesus is. We want to think about, we want to focus on him. That's where our hearts, that's where our minds, um, that's where all of our life should be pointing to. And because of that, we stop living in the earthly patterns that we walked in before. So the anger and the mistrust and the sin, the jealousy, all of those things, we, we put aside that old self and we walk in the new self that's been raised with Jesus. Um, so there's a new way, a new way of living as God's people. And then we get to verse 11, and it's probably um, the most well-known verse in Colossians. It says the church is to be made up of a new type of people. That there's one new man, one new person that makes up the church. And we're no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all in all. The the cultural identities that told us who we were, that, that shaped us so much. God calls us past that into a new person that's defined by Christ being all and in all. And so if the church is really supposed to live like as this one new person, as this new humanity, even though it's made up of people from all these different types of backgrounds, we have to be compassionate. We have to be humble. We have to be patient. We have to be forgiving. Have to be loving. And that's what Paul lays out through chapter 3. And then verse 16, I feel like, is really the key to the unity that Christ and Paul is calling the church to. Because Paul says, for this unity to work, for the church to really look like the church, what we need 
he says, is for the word of Christ to dwell richly in you. For the word of Christ to dwell richly in you. And this is really, we need, um, we need a southern version of the gospel because what he says is let the word of Christ dwell richly in y'all. Okay, this is, this is a call to the whole church. It's not enough for the word to dwell richly in Lee or in Trenton or Chad or whoever else. The call is for the word to dwell richly in us, in his people, that it's to overflow out of each one of us into the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers, into the people sitting next to you in the pew this morning, that it is to overflow out of the church. That that's how deeply the word of Christ is to dwell in every one of us. And because of that, because we have this word of God dwelling in us, each one of us can teach and admonish and build up and encourage someone else. Every one of you is needed this morning in the church because every one of you has that word dwelling in you And you can give a timely word to someone here this morning, in your GC, in worship. God has put that in you this morning as a part of his body, as a part of his people. You are needed to teach, to admonish, to build up, to make the church this one new people. And what that teaching looks like, I think, is a little bit surprising. It's not maybe what we expect it to look like. Um, He doesn't say, each one of you teach by coming up and preaching on Sunday morning. Or each one of you teach by leading a small group or a GC. Or each one of you teach and admonish your brothers um, by leading a Bible study. He says we do it by singing. He says we do it in worship. It says we lead one another by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's what it looks like for the church to be in unity, for the word of Christ to dwell richly in, among us. It's for each of us to have a song that we sing, each of us to have a voice that lifts up praise to our Heavenly Father. Um, and so that's what, that's what Paul calls the church to. And I think there's several reasons why... Um, This kind of teaching, this kind of encouragement looks the way it does. Why Paul calls us to singing and worship. And I think the first is very practical. Um, The the Roman Empire was almost completely illiterate. Um, right? Estimates are about 10% of the whole population could could read and write. Um, Which is, I mean, nothing. If you compare that to modern day, the, the least literate countries in the world are those that have been torn apart by war and famine and poverty, and they're all like 30%. Okay, and so no one in the Roman Empire was picking up a book to read. Books didn't exist. Um, So that's a completely different um, story. The way they learned, the way they communicated, they were an oral culture, all right? 
Things were passed down by word of mouth through story. And in fact, what Paul tells the church in Corinthians is to read this letter out loud. I think we have a certain picture of the way the Bible happens and it's in our room in the dark or with a candle, I don't know what, you know, reading by ourselves, but that's not what it looked like. The whole church would have gathered together in a room. There would have been somebody up front, the one person probably in the church that knew how to read would have read this letter out loud again and again and again and again until probably most of the church had it memorized and could say it word for word. And then Paul said, when you've done that, pass it on to Laodicea so they can read it again and again and again and again. And that's what it looked like in that culture to pick things up. It was by hearing by memorizing. And so one of the best ways that you can do that, right, one of the best ways that things stick in your mind is by setting it to music, by having it rhyme, by singing. And so he says, I want these words to go deep into your heart. I want it to dwell so richly among you that I don't want you to ever forget. And so I want you to sing it. I want you to put it to music so that it changes who you are. Uh, So that's kind of maybe the practical reason. I think the the next couple of reasons are, are, go back to verse 11, um, that this church is made up of people from, I don't know, lots of different backgrounds, lots of different cultures, lots of different practices. And so singing doesn't belong to a particular culture, right? Singing and worship is a human trait. It's something that we all do, and it goes even back to the garden. The first thing Adam does when he wakes up and he sees Eve, he sings a song. He says, I finally found what I was looking for. Moses in the Exodus, when they come out of Egypt, The first thing he does is he sings a song. He says, I will praise the Lord because he is victorious. He's thrown the horse and rider into the sea. He is my strength and he is my song and he has become my salvation. Man. And it goes to the very end. What Trenton talked about this morning in Revelation is that there is singing and there is praise. And in fact, it says that when the new temple, when the heavenly temple is filled with the presence of God, the song that the people of God sing is the song of Moses. This song of victory and salvation that is a song that we never stop singing. And so we practice now because it's part of what it means to be human. Is that we sing praises to our Creator, and it transcends any culture. And then I think finally, the reason Paul tells us to sing and to worship is because every every all these different cultures that people come from, every person, um, any background, every culture has a, has a story that we tell ourselves that we live out of, that shapes the way we think and the way we feel um, and the way we live. Um, This year I've been been trying to be a little bit more intentional about the the songs that I listen to and and put into my head. Um, One of the things I realized in doing that 
was actually some of my favorite songs that I listened to, that I on repeat, said the word alone. Um, I, don't, I don't think I realized how much that actually shaped the way I felt and thought about myself. Um, songs have a way of getting into our hearts. They have a way of changing the stories that we tell ourselves. And Paul wants the church to be shaped by a particular story. Not one that's formed by the world. Not one that's formed by any culture. He wants us to be moved by a particular set of values. He wants our minds to be transformed by one new idea. And so he turns to Scripture And this is our first point this morning, is that the word of God dwells richly in us through Scripture. Word of God dwells richly in us through Scripture. And what Paul points the church to is the Psalms. He says the first thing that we're to sing when we come together, we sing Psalms together. And and for centuries, the Psalms have been the hymn book of the people of God. It shaped their life and their thought. Um, in Jewish culture, there, there was a psalm for almost every day, for every event, every festival, um, for when you traveled, for when you were feeling let down, for when you were worshiping. All of it, there was a psalm that you could sing that would put words to what you were feeling in your heart. Um, it shaped the people of God. And of the 150 psalms in the Bible, there's only a handful that aren't directly quoted in the New Testament. That, that's how much it shaped the way people thought and taught and spoke. Because they declare God's faithfulness in the past. We can look back and see this is what God has done and this is what he will continue to do, we can read them and sing them and look at them and know what it's like to follow Him. We can see what it means to worship. We can learn how to persevere and overcome. We can see what it looks like to be crushed and disappointed. We can know that God is going to continue to be faithful to us, and that story shapes us and so we're to sing them we're to read them they're to be in our hearts and in our thoughts continuously because the church is called to take that story and make it their own we're to take that story of the people of God that they lived for centuries and generations and step into it and it becomes our new Story and the one that shapes us more than any of the, the songs and the patterns that the world tries to say we need to walk in. And as this happened, God begins to reveal himself in new ways to the church. And specifically, he begins to reveal himself in Jesus. And so the, the second point um, that we're going to look at is that the word of Christ dwells richly in us through the church. So Paul tells the church next, he says, to sing and to teach each other in hymns. Um, and some of you, I don't know if you grew up in the South, you may have a particular relationship 
to hymns. Um, some of them are probably better than others. Um, mine, I, you know, I, I just think of the old kind of slow, depressing songs that my grandmother um, sang, and that's, that's not at all what Paul is talking about, although possibly some of them are. Um, what Paul is getting at here is that hymns are songs of worship. They're almost always about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and they're revealed truth for the church. They're revealed worship and song and truth about what Jesus has done and what he's doing specifically for his church in this moment. Um, you may be more familiar maybe with some of the creeds from the early church, and there's a lot of overlap between the creeds and the early hymns that the church sang and believed in and spoke daily to remind themselves, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is who Christ is. And so some of the earliest theology that we have from the church is shaped by these songs that the church would sing about Jesus um, in their meetings. And we actually we have some evidence of these early hymns in the writing of Paul. Um, and I don't want to go into all the details, but you can go back and you can look and go, hey, these things don't really fit the way Paul typically writes. And actually, they, there seems to be some rhythm and some rhyme that maybe we didn't expect Paul to have. I don't know why. Paul's stuck up or I don't know. Anyways, sorry. Um, so, so probably the most famous of these is, is Philippians 2, um, starting in verse 6. And it says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we read those words and we can actually look back and connect and go, this was something that the early church sang. Something that the early church was shaped by and believed. And it's still a part of our culture. It's still a part of who we are. It's still a part of the same story that we're telling each other today um, in worship. I think one of the important things as we, as we think about hymns and, and, and singing them together is that hymns are given to the church in every age with a specific truth that we need for that time. I think as you, as you go through history, the, the church, there tends to be songs and movements around songs that fit particular needs of the church. Um, when I think about our time in Turkey, one of the things that stands out the most to me was the worship, was the songs. And there were just, there were, there were songs that every believer in Turkey knew by heart. And if you started singing, the entire congregation would get up and dance and shout and clap and sing because it meant so much. It was a part of who they were. And that's what, that's what a hymn is really all about. It's what God is doing right now and revealing himself to be in worship for the church. 
And so it is, it is good and right to look back and sing some of those old hymns that, and recognize the faithfulness of God in the past. But I think it's just as appropriate to say, what is God speaking to us now and this time? What are the songs that God has for us for fellowship in 2023? What are the songs that we can sing to him that he's revealing about himself? What's he teaching us in this moment? So we are people, we're shaped by this story of how God has been faithful in the past. We're shaped by a story of how God is faithful in the present and what he's doing right now and what he continues to do. And we can declare in our worship um, all of the ways God has been faithful to us and just declare that God's word, the word of Christ dwells richly among us. And the last point is this, is that the word of Christ dwells richly in us through the Spirit. So Paul's last call to worship is to sing spiritual songs. Um, and I would say this is probably the most, uh, there's probably the least agreement about what this means, um, in scholarly circles, which is just like a fancy way of saying, I can say whatever I want to, and it's probably like close to true. Um, um, so what it, what it seems to be is that these are um, specific songs and truths that are revealed by the Spirit in a moment in worship. These are those times when your heart just soars when you're moved by creation, when you're moved by a moment, when you're moved in worship and the spirit just comes and says, isn't this awesome? Don't you wanna worship right now? Don't you see and understand who your God is a little bit better right now? Don't you just wanna praise him in this moment? And we're called to recognize that, to recognize when the spirit is moving us and wanting to teach us wanting to show us a little bit more intimately who he is and who our Savior is. And a lot of times this, this, this happens in worship, and you may have noticed, like you may have seen it here in this place, that sometimes there's just, there's a theme that comes out, there's a picture, there's an image that's carried through the worship service. You may have heard someone say from the mic up front, you know, as we were worshiping, I just felt God do this thing, speak this thing, say this thing, that that's what he's wanting to reveal. And it's just a step farther than our normal worship. It's God drawing us in. It's the Spirit drawing us in closer, more intimately with him and who he is so that we can say, wow, I, 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 I met God more. I learned more about him this morning than I, than I knew before. And this can look all different ways. And I think this is one of the blessings of a multicultural church. Is that the spirit communicates and he reveals himself in different ways for different people of different backgrounds. He doesn't speak in just one way. Because we are one new people, but we are a diverse people. We're people from every tribe, tongue, and language and so God doesn't, he doesn't want to do away with our diversity. He wants our diversity to point to him and the glory of who he is, that he can bring everyone together 
in one place for the praise and glory and honor of his name. That's what it means to come together in worship, that we recognize our Savior, we recognize our King. We come together from all different backgrounds and and places and feelings, and we say the thing that matters, the thing that draws us together, the thing that overrides all of those other identities and stories is the one story of a king who came to earth, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross in our place, who overcame death and the grave, was raised again to new life, seated at the right hand of the Father, who reigns for all eternity, who is coming back again to put all things right and to rule with his people over a new heaven and a new earth. And that is what causes our hearts to sing and rejoice and praise because all of that it's true is what it means for his word to be a part of us, to dwell richly among us. And all of that is so we can build up and teach one another because there are going to be moments when I come in and need encouragement. There will be moments when you come in and aren't feeling it and don't know what's next. And because the word of God dwells richly in us, we can speak truth into those moments. Um, as I was preparing the sermon, I, I thought about a conversation I had with Alex Trufin um, a few months ago. Um, and he said he was, he was talking to a friend of his that was at a really low point and struggling. And he said, there was a song that was in my head that I heard it on K-Love. And I mean, whatever you think about K-Love, he said, I had heard this song And I knew in that moment I had to speak that song. I had to pray that over this person. And it changed the situation. That's what it looks like for our worship to overflow with the word of Christ into other people. All right. So I want to just shift into a little bit of application um, how, can we, how can we take these truths and actually do something with it in the coming year? Um, we recognize that God is he's glorified in our worship. He builds his throne on the praises of his people. And so how can we, how can we grow in that for this year? Um, how, how, do we, how can we develop some, some daily rhythms in the word? Um, And I want to say it can be as simple as this kind of daily pattern. Morning word, afternoon worship, and evening prayer. Everybody good? Does that sound like over, overwhelming? You like it? Okay, good. So following this same pattern, scripture, church, and spirit. So first, Morning word, and this is probably the place where, like, this teaching in Colossians can probably help us the most um, because we are almost certainly closer to ancient Roman culture than modern in this that no one today is picking up a book and reading it, right? Who, who has New Year's resolution, I'm going to read more this year? 
Yes, a couple of fives out there. I like it. Yeah, like we, we are a post-literate society. All right, we learn everything visually and orally. We need a screen to get information in our heads, which makes me a little sad, but I like books. Um, but the incredible thing is that those, those same things that can be distracting and draw our attention away can actually be used for the Word and Scripture as well. Okay? The Bible app on your phone will read the Bible to you. You don't even have to know how to read the words. It'll read it for you. It's incredible. Um, the Bible Project on YouTube. All kinds of good videos about the word that you can learn more about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to, to know the gospel, to know the truth. Um, maybe even more you know, applicable to the text is there are any number of places where you can hear the Psalms put to worship. One of my favorites is Shane and Shane. They have multiple albums that are just the Psalms song. And if I think about Psalms, it's almost always a Shane and Shane song (laughs) that's running through my head, not necessarily what's straight out of the word. And that's okay. Okay, I'm not telling you don't read the Bible this year. And in fact, that's specifically not what Aaron is wanting you to do. Okay, these are, these are first steps into some new rhythms, into some new patterns. So if you need to kind of ease your way into this, these are some baby steps. And if you feel like you, you're, you're getting there, sign up for the daily reading with Aaron. It's going to be amazing. Your Bible app also has a reading plan that you can read through the entire Bible in a year. You can be like Trenton. And on December 31st, be in Revelation. That's amazing. All of these steps are there that we can get deeper into the word. And it can be as simple as singing a Shane and Shane song, listening to the Bible read out on your phone, or going way deeper than that. Um, next, afternoon worship. Um, again, this is something that can be very simple. It can be a Spotify playlist. You don't even have to like, think about what it's going to be. Take five or ten minutes in the middle of your day to worship, to hear some praises, to put something else in your mind other than the, the grind, other than the work, other than whatever it is. And what I really would like to recommend is that the GCs put together some playlists that they can share with everybody so that actually our groups are hearing the same thing so that we're on the same page together, that this is more of a communal thing than an individual thing. Because we want these stories, we want these songs, we want this worship to shape not only who we are as individuals, but who we are as a people. And we can have a a fellowship playlist as well. Um, The other point on this is, um, I think what can be very powerful for churches is when people that are musically inclined get together and write some music specifically about what God is doing among us 
right now. And we have some music that is fellowship songs, right? That it's our church music that we can sing as a people to declare what God has done among us. Because he's done some incredible stuff. And we can sing praises together about it. And so I think a goal for the new year would be what does it look like um, for some of us to get together if you're feeling creative, if you like to write, if you play an instrument, what does it look like to have some, some, some fellowship songs that we make together? All right, so that's afternoon worship. All right, and then finally, evening prayer. Um, and what I'd like to maybe suggest on this is um, a spiritual practice called Compline, um, which is basically evening prayer. For the church, and it is very simple. There's just a handful of steps, and you don't even have to do them all. Um, Typically, they start with a psalm. And then there's a prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. Because so often we get to the end of our day, and we look at all of the ways we messed up, and we don't have mercy for ourselves. And so we can ask, Lord, would you have mercy on me. And then we ask the Spirit to reveal moments from our day when He was near to us, moments that He wants to point out, that He wants to speak and teach. And again, it can be really simple. God, what do you what do you want to show me about today? Where were you proud of me today? What stood out today? For you and pray into that. You can have a time of confession to say, God, there were probably more moments that didn't stand out to me today than did. God, would you help me? And then there's a prayer for rest when we put all of those thoughts, all of those worries, all of those things from the day aside and say, God, would you help me lay down and rest? Because I trust you to take care of the worries of today and to take care of tomorrow. That's evening prayer. I mean, it's probably 15 minutes out of your day. Can we do it? Yay, everybody's excited about it, I can tell. Um, so if this feels overwhelming, I've got, a, I've got great news. Because there's one more thing I want to recommend. And it's the Lectio 365 app. All right. Um, And this actually does the morning and the evening parts for you. Okay? It's got word in the morning. It's got devotional in the morning. It's got prayer in the morning. And in the evening, it walks through these same steps. There's a psalm. There's a reflection on the day where you can pray. And there's a moment when you can put aside and ask God to help you rest and have peace. There are so many tools available to us where we can allow the word to go deep in our hearts, to change us, to shape the stories that we're telling ourselves. Um, That there's there's no reason not to. Um, So let's let's worship together. I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, I'm going to pray. Also just want to invite my wife, Julie, um, had a word um, just looking ahead to the new year 
I hope, I hope most of you are encouraged about this and can look and see, God, I trust that you can do things in my life. I trust you can do something new. I trust you can shape the stories that I'm telling myself. But I know um, that there are times when it feels like nothing is changing, when it feels like the darkness and the fog are just too much and that the light isn't coming. Um, and so Julie is going to share uh, and she's gonna have, she's gonna be available to pray if that's if that's how you're feeling. Um, I'm gonna close this in prayer, and then Julie share, and then we'll worship. Father God, we do we we praise you, and we recognize what an honor and a privilege it is to come before your throne, to know that we will find mercy and not judgment, to know that we will find life and peace and wholeness and love from the hand of our Father because of what your Son has done, because you loved us and you laid yourself down for us. And more than that, you rose from the dead that the grave does not have the last word, that the darkness does not have the last word that there is light and hope and life everlasting where we can sing your praises with the saints for all eternity. God, we thank you that you desire this in our lives more than we do even. So God, would you, would you take our lives, would you take our humble offerings and thoughts and goals and would you transform them by the power of your spirit? Would you make them more than what we can ask or think or imagine? Would you shape us into the image of your son, Jesus? We pray in his powerful name.